Island, a podcast presented by FHL Bank Atlanta. Hello, and welcome to our first episode of FHL Bank Atlanta iLink. We're all adjusting to the new way of doing business, and we hope that you enjoy this link to experts across the financial services industry. Each episode will provide insights, updates, and views on industry trends from FHL Bank Atlanta leadership, industry partners, and financial institutions to help you stay informed and up-to-date. So, whether you're remote and working from home or still commuting into the office, tune in to iLink and connect to the industry as we all become stronger, better together. I have two guests here with me today, John Cagle, Vice President and Manager of Community Financial Institutions here at FHL Bank Atlanta, and Brian Schmidt, President and CEO of Southcrest Bank, an FHL Bank Atlanta member institution. John will be my guest host today as he leads a team of relationship managers that call on community banks like Southcrest across the segment and will be able to provide some valuable insight into our conversation. We'll be talking to Brian about his institution's experience with FHL Bank Atlanta, especially in light of the pandemic. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Brian. Would you mind taking a few minutes to tell us about yourself and provide an overview of Southcrest Bank? Sure, John. Thank you for having me uh, here with you today, and I hope that uh, to provide a little bit of um, value to your listeners. Uh, my career goes back 37 years here in uh, mostly Atlanta uh, suburbs. I've uh, been in the banking business now since 1983. I've uh, been fortunate in my career to have uh, experienced a lot. Uh, everything from uh, one of my first jobs was a company that did a mutual conversion to a public traded company to being involved with a roll-up back in the mid nineties and we bought 12 banks and mortgage company over about a five year period to DeNovo and Moan Bank in 2001 uh, and successfully uh, sold and monetized that in 2006 uh, and various jobs since then. And uh, I took over Southcrest Bank at the helm uh, actually right out four years ago. That's great. Uh, thanks, Brian. And tell us a little bit more about Southcrest if you would. Sure, Southcrest was two banks that originally came together in 2004. Bank of Upson uh, down in Thompson, Georgia, and uh, First National Bank of Polk up in Cedartown. Uh, since that time, they had bought two banks in the late 2000s and uh, uh, experienced a new management team came on in 2011 and consolidated those banks. And then I came on four years ago to kind of finish up the project that they had started to bring it into Metro Atlanta uh, and to do some consolidation among the branches that we had at that time. Excellent. Thanks, Brian. And Brian, we were talking the other day, over the years, you've worked for a number of financial institutions that were members of FHL Bank Atlanta. I think we got up to maybe five or six. And obviously, with the M&A activity that's so prevalent in the Atlanta market through the years, that's not uncommon. Would you mind sharing how your relationship with the bank has grown over the years and perhaps how your utilization of the bank's resources and products and expertise has evolved over that time? Well, as you indicated, I've had a lot of jobs in my last 37 years, and they've all been members. Federal Home Loan Bank. Um, probably the best way that I can put it is Federal Home Loan Bank has always been consistent. Uh, the markets are good, markets are bad. We've experienced a couple of recessions in my time, and Federal Home Loan Bank has always been here for us. Um, I like the term it, and I probably will again. There's a liability for everybody's needs. So if you need overnight funding, you need short, intermediate, you need long term funding, folks here can help you, uh, whatever it is, strategically to get to where you want to be. That's great, Brian. And, and you know, one of the things we were talking about recently was, I think 
you and, and your CFO have been, have been pretty opportunistic in terms of utilizing advances uh, for some different scenarios. Uh, one of the things we talked about was funding a branch acquisition, for example. Could you maybe just talk at a high level about maybe sure. a couple of different ways you guys have used advances through the years? Sure. Um, as soon as I, when I took this over, we had a couple of branches that just didn't fit our, our model that I was creating over in Alabama. And we sold those uh, and we needed funding uh, to get those sold. And, and I guess that was 2016. Uh, and you guys were here. And our strategy was we thought we needed three year funding and y'all had a product that fit our need. Um, more recently, uh, earlier this year, when the pandemic hit, um, we saw an opportunity in March with a disruption in the municipal bond market to take advantage. Spreads had gotten to the point where it just made a lot of sense. And we did um, a fair amount of leverage uh, transactions at that time. And once again, you guys were here for us to, to, to execute on those because we had to execute them on very quickly in order to achieve the, what we achieved out of it. And um, I think those trades itself uh, really provided about a 275 ROA. Uh, so it was very profitable and where our margins, as all of us have experienced over the last uh, nine months, has, has been reduced. We made up absolute net income because of those trades, and you guys were here for us. So once again, Federal Home Loan Bank has been very consistent throughout the years um, and always been there for us, and it was just an easy transaction for us to execute on. We looked at you guys as partners to be able to do that. That's a great story, and a theme I think that the listeners will know uh, over the course of the time that we're talking with you, Brian, is, is that you know, in the in the course of the pandemic, um, the instinct might be for folks to kind of freeze or, or step back. Uh, that's a great example uh, in terms of the, the municipal bond strategy and some of the other things that we'll talk about a little bit later, where you guys have used it as an opportunity to do something uh, that's that's you know positioned Southcrest in a better way going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways that you recently leveraged your relationship with us occurred in July when you invited your relationship manager and me to participate in Southcrest Alco meeting. First of all, thanks for including us. We get the opportunity to participate in member Alco meetings and even board meetings from time to time. And it's something we always appreciate doing because it gives us a great chance to learn more about that member's business, to share some best practices and ideas and really grow our relationship. During that meeting, you and your team reviewed a number of the key issues facing community financial institutions during the pandemic. Would you mind sharing with our listeners some of the challenges that you're seeing and how you're dealing with those? I think things like the sorts of conversations your team is having with clients, maybe a little bit about what your clients are facing in the the pandemic uh, economic environment today, how you're monitoring for and managing potential credit challenges, and maybe what you're most focused on as we enter the fourth quarter of the year would be especially interesting. Sure. Well, first of all, it was a pleasure having you guys. It was actually more beneficial for us for y'all to be there than y'all being there the other way around. Um, Our relationship has always been, uh, we don't look as a federal home loan bank as a vendor. You guys are a partner. Uh, We borrow money from you. That's something that we lend money. We take that relationship very serious. When we lend money, when we borrow money, we take that just as serious. So we never looked at this as being a vendor type relationship. So having you all there, um, the transparency that it laid out to you in our Alco meeting, you know exactly what we got going on. You know exactly the strategy that we're laying out. Uh, flip side of that, y'all have 800 plus banks within your system here, and you bring to the table best practices, obviously on a confidential basis, but you do guys generally mention us about different things that different banks are doing within your system, and that's extremely beneficial to us. Um, you know, when we started this whole pandemic, when all this started, 
we took a little bit of different tack than some folks did. We did not participate in the PPP program like a lot of banks did. We decided to find a different solution for our clients and make sure they were taken care of. And we outsourced with a fintech company uh, that, to be honest with you, did a better job than we probably could have done just because of staffing to be able to, to participate in the PPP. So our relationship managers were kind of not bogged down with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I had them zero in on our credit portfolio, what we currently had on the books, and a bigger and deeper dive into their clients than, than they normally would, just so we know and knew what was going on because we knew the deferrals were coming uh, and our average deferral was about where everybody else was. Um, we have very few second deferrals. We're very proud of that, but we stayed on top of those customers and, and we did a couple things from a strategy standpoint. So when the deferrals started happening, I like, if I give something, I like to get something. So we took our customers and we were all about income protection. We believe we're going to be in a low rate environment for quite some time. And my concern was that we help these borrowers through a difficult time, and then they turn around and refinance us out. So with the deferral came a 321 uh, prepayment debt, opportunity payment. And with that, we had 98% of our customers said, that's just fine. You're doing something for us. We are more than happy uh, to, to, to give you guys that with this documentation. And it really, we looked at it as a chance of protecting income in case they decide that they want to leave and it's not a refinance rate. Um, like I said, it gave our relationship managers the opportunity uh, to make sure that we knew what we had on the books. Uh, our credit is in as good a shape as we could ever hope it was in, uh, as you are starting to hear from a lot of folks uh, throughout the industry, and we're all really excited about that. Uh, I believe all of us, if you would have told us six months ago that our credit is where it is today, we would not have believed you. Um, but we feel very good about that, and obviously you guys monitor that. Fourth quarter, uh, what are we looking at? Pandemic's not gone. Uh, businesses are slowly starting to reopen. Um, to be honest with you, we have as large a pipeline in our pipeline from commercial lenders than we have in the last year and a half or two years. Um, once again, our relationship managers have been in a calling mode and we're in a loan production mode going into the fourth quarter. That's great news. And, and that is, a, that is a, a fairly common theme that we hear from other members that we talk with is just that um, surprisingly, credit has, has hung in there. Of course, everybody's always talking about what might be in the fourth quarter or the beginning of next year. Um, but again, I think it's great uh, testament to your team that you're focused on, on making things happen and on continuing to grow your bank and your business. Uh, one of the things that, that we talked about a little bit, Brian, was um, net interest margin and, and the compression that some are seeing in the industry. I think you guys have, at least the last time that we talked about it, have maybe been in a little better situation from an compression standpoint. And I know you have a little bit of a unique situation with, with how you fund your, your loan production in your branch system. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? With yeah, us? so we have, um, we are located on Peachtree Street in Midtown, and we have basically three branches in the metro market. Um, we have another six branches out more in the rural market. Um, those six branches uh, bring in a lot of our deposits. There's a lot of money in those markets. There's just not a lot of growth. So we're basically running, I'm more running more of a hub and spoke. I'm taking care of those markets, but with the excess deposits, we're bringing it in and letting it out where more growth areas uh, in, the, in the metro Atlanta area. That's great. That's interesting. And along those lines, um, one of the things that I've spoken with numerous shareholders about is uh, the, the, with the pandemic, sort of the changing business environment, 
Uh, in some cases, branches were closed or hours were changed. There was a appointment only set up in the branches. Drive-throughs became much more popular and mobile banking also became much more popular. And in a lot of cases, it seemed that, that folks had invested in mobile banking technology a little, a little while ago and they were kind of waiting for something to happen where, where there would be more adoption. And the pandemic has certainly helped with that. Has that been the case with Southcrest? You talk a little bit about how you operated during the sure. pandemic and then what you've seen from, from different uh, customer access points. Sure, sure. My background has basically been running, I like to call it private business banks, small, small business banks. Um, this was a little new to me, having a lot of consumer activity in our, in our rural markets. Um, so we already had treasury management up and running here since the first few months that I got here. So I think we're pretty much on top of our game with that. Um, that has flourished with our business customers, uh, our consumers. Um, we did go to uh, drive through only and we shut down our branches. We, we kept it open. We shut it down for about six weeks. Uh, Georgia had some spikes. We re-shut it down uh, and went to um, drive-through and um, appointment only. Uh, and the funny thing is we were running just as many transactions. Um, the drive-throughs became very busy. Uh, we were opening or have been open just about the same number of accounts that we were before the pandemic. Uh, I think that a lot of, um, it, it helped with the, the culture of a lot of folks of just going to the bank to go to the bank. It was an outing. Um, now that, that, you know, there's, could be an issue with it. Folks realize they don't need to go to the bank twice a week to get a cup of coffee and cash a check. Um, and we love having them there, but they haven't need, needed to do that. So our volumes haven't changed at all. Uh, now we just are reopening our, our lobbies today, uh, this week. Uh, we got three of them open. We'll open a couple more next week. Uh, and with that, you know, we'll go back to quote business as usual. My personal belief is business as usual is you're not going to see nearly amount of traffic, lobby traffic. Um, as, as bankers, we're all going to have to really sit back uh, and, and, and take note of this and say, what does this tell us? Um, we all have uh, real estate, either owned or leased. We all have a lot of people in those branches. And, you know, do we need all that headcount? Um, that is something that I think we've got to figure out. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any magic here. We can probably watch a lot of the larger banks and they're going to figure it out for us and we're going to follow them. Bankers tend to be a very herd mentality when it comes to that. Um, but it's going to be retooling for, for everybody uh, because with March depression, as you mentioned, we all got, it's back to a nickel and dime business. And we've got to watch the nickels and dimes very closely. Uh, and where I have not laid off uh, or did a riff at all during COVID for any of the employees, um, sometimes when they leave, they're just not being replaced at this point. So, you know, we are, Southcrest is down to 98 employees um, and we're about $650 million today. So it's becoming appropriately staffed. Um, but I've, you know, I've got some big buildings in rural markets that I really don't need, but there's something there for the community that I'm not planning on vacating. Right, right. Thanks for, thanks for going into that with us. I think that's very interesting. Uh, well, the last few months have been exceptional, but we've been partners now through quite a few unpredictable and difficult markets. Overall, how would you sum up the value of your relationship with the Fitchell Bank of Atlanta? The value has been wonderful over the years. Um, I think I used the word consistency early on. Uh, you guys have been very consistent. Um, the culture that is at this company, I would love to be able to duplicate in my company. Um, I have known most all the executive management has probably been here in the last 20 years. And I believe from your CEO down, 
there's just a very unique culture. I see you guys a lot. I see the employees a lot. And y'all have the most unique culture uh, of any company that I've ever seen in a very positive way. So uh, my relationship has been fantastic. I mean, we were at a, a industry function, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Art Fleming in your CRA area did a, did a presentation on uh, CRA consult, I think is what y'all call it. Yes. And uh, I'm getting ready to take you up on that opportunity because we've got to become more strategic on what we're doing and how we're going about it. We all have holes in our CRA area. We just don't know what they are until the examiners show up. I like to be a little bit more proactive with it. And I don't have a CRA exam coming up for probably a year and a half or maybe even two years, but I want to know what we're doing and what we can be doing better. Uh, and after listening to Art's presentation, I know that you guys can help me with that. And by all means, we'll be uh, making the phone call to get that set up. That's great. And I think you're, you're smart to do that. The time to, to have that sort of consultation is not when the examiners are getting ready to show up. It's, it's well in advance that you can be ready and prepared for when they do show up. Very much. That's great. No, and I, and I would certainly encourage you to, to take up Art on his offer uh, to come and, and talk with you and your team. And, and really, one of the things I think, Brian, one of the reasons we asked you to come today is, is that uh, through the years, you've really done a great job, I think, of leveraging, you know, not just advances. Obviously, advances are a critical piece of what we do at the Federal Home of Bank of Atlanta, and you know that. But you've also been very opportunistic, whether it's having us to your outcome meeting, taking advantage of the CRA consultation opportunity. I think you've attended our annual member conference in the past and participated in that. And then just and then just you know building those relationships with your relationship manager, uh, with members of the executive management team. And I would just encourage any of those who are listening today, any of our members of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta, you have that same opportunity. Uh, we're a cooperative, and, and certainly our goal is to make your business better. And so Brian's done a great job, I think, of taking advantage of that. And I would just encourage everyone who's listening to consider doing that as well. Well, we appreciate dividend you pay us, first and foremost. Uh, but there are a lot of smart people here, and our, my CFO especially uh, relies on that. When we have an idea and we have some crazy ideas, we don't feel ashamed to call and run it past uh, you guys and uh, see what you think about it and it's something that will work or won't work. So we've tried to utilize that through the years, and we will continue to utilize that. Um, love the culture here and just proud to be a partner with that. That's great. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for your time for your candor and for sharing a little bit of, of kind of the inside baseball of things at Southcrest. Is there anything else you'd like to add or share with our listeners before we let you go? I would just encourage everybody to uh, stay in contact with your reps. Uh, don't, don't be uh, bashful at all. And um, like I said from the beginning, there's a liability out here that puts everybody's name. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. And thank you, John, for facilitating. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did, be sure to join us for episode two, where we will be discussing letters of credit and how they can help your communities even in the most difficult times. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode, and follow FHL Bank Atlanta on LinkedIn and Twitter for more updates.